morning. Appreciate that. If you have your Bibles, we're turning to the book of Mark, chapter number 10 this morning. Book of Mark, chapter number 10. And I want to begin reading in the 17th verse this morning of Mark, chapter number 10. And I want to preach on this thought today. Meeting the master. Meeting the master. I sure am glad that I've met him, amen. And when I came to church this morning, I knew I was going to be meeting him again, amen. And I have felt his presence from the time I got here this morning and walked in the door. When there was nobody here, I felt the presence of the Lord. You may say, now preacher, you bring the Lord with you. He lives you. That, in a sense, is true but he also is everywhere, amen? And so when we walked in, we've come to meet the master. Do you agree with me, amen? You stand to your feet this morning as we read verse 17 through verse 22. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him. And said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. That day, a young man met the master. And turned away and refused him. Rejected him. Father, this morning, we've come into your house to meet the master. God help us that none of us would refuse him nor reject him. But God, we'd take the time to bow before him, to receive him, to accept him, to call upon his name. Lord, we need you so desperately. Touch us this day, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. In these verses, especially look at verse 16, Jesus has taken the little children, parents and adults have been bringing little children to Jesus. The disciples said, leave Jesus alone, he's too busy. Uh, But the Lord said that uh, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child shall not enter therein. And he kept taking them up in his arms And he was blessing them. And as he finished there that day, he went out into the way. And as he's traveling, there's thousands of people, multitudes, great crowds that are gathering. But here comes one into that ensemble of people. The Bible says he is running. The book of Matthew, uh, chapter number 19, says that he's a young man. And Luke 18 says he is a Ruler, he's a man of authority, he's a man uh, that has power, he's a man of position, he's a man with possessions, he's a man of prestige, he's a man with rank, he's a man with riches, he's a man with religion. And, And Jesus said to this young man in verse 21, 
there's one thing that you lack after he interviewed him really well. Hey, I wonder this morning, is there any one thing that you lack? What is it that gets you to follow me in the Bible this morning, but you don't read it the rest of the week? What gets you to bow your head with me when we called on Brother David to pray and you bowed your head to pray, but you won't pray the rest of the week? What, what gets you to give to the common cause like the United Way or whatever else, but you won't tithe to the church? Until Jesus, listen to me now, until Jesus can have it all, you still lack one thing. What is it in your life that is off limits to Jesus? Now, when I look at this text, I see three things about this young man that was meeting the master. Number one, I see the young man's desire. What are his individual traits? Let's name some characteristics. Let's name some uh, attributes about this young man. First of all, I think he was eager. The Bible says he's coming running. I didn't notice any of y'all this morning come running into the house of God. Said, "Woo! I'm so excited to be here. In fact, you was very careful. There was ice out there on the parking lot and you didn't want to fall down. And some of you said, I can't believe that preacher would try to have church. But let me tell you something. The parking lot is, it's a little better than it ought to be. Thank God we had somebody come work on it yesterday. Thank you. You know who I'm talking about today. Uh, but he had enthusiasm. Some of you, I looked this morning, though you're here and I appreciate you coming in bad weather, but you've got a do not disturb sign hanging around your neck right now. Preacher, don't bother me. I'm here, I've done my good deed for the day. But this man came into the house of God with enthusiasm. He was eager to meet Jesus. He was also humble. The Bible says in verse 17, he came a-running, but, I didn't know this fell off, this microphone had fell off. He came a-running, but after he came a-running, the Bible says, then he kneeled down to him. He came humbly. He was not pridefully refusing to bow, he humbled himself. He's courageous, the Bible says. He came when Jesus was gone forth into the way. Thousands of people, multitudes gathered, crowds all around. He was courageous. The crowds didn't stop him. He came right through those people and kneeled before the Lord Jesus Christ. He's discerning. The young man said, good master. What about that? He recognized, amen, Jesus' authority. I believe this man has lived a morally clean life. Jesus said, keep certain, keep these commandments. And he said, all these have I observed from my youth. He's a morally clean young man. I think he's spiritually minded. He, he was asking not about being healthy, wealthy, and wise. He said, what shall I do that I might inherit eternal life? So we see his traits. I think that he's intent when he comes on salvation. I was reading this week uh, a periodical that said, what is the number one thing that Americans, if you could have anything, what would it be? What would it be? You know what the number one answer on the poll was? Not to have somebody new in the White House, not to have somebody old in the White House, not to have a bunch of money. The number one thing was to have eternal life. Number one on the list was to have eternal life. And I think this young man, he is coming to find out about eternal life. He said, good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? You know, right now, that's why they pray to Mecca. 
That's why they fast at Ramadan. That's, that's why they go and confess to a priest. That's, that's why they baptize infants. That's why some swear off themselves to celibacy because they think those things merit them eternal life. But they don't, amen. Folks, listen, they're not lost because they don't want to be saved. Folks are lost because they won't trust Jesus. You're not saved on your emotions. You're not saved on your feelings. You're not saved because grandma said, I remember when you had an experience and you can't remember the experience, but grandma does. You can't remember your experience, but your mama does. Listen, you're not saved because your mama says so. You're not named because you've been baptized so many times. The tadpoles know your first name. You're not baptized because you go to Bethel Baptist Church or because you got a Bible or you shook the preacher's hand. You are not saved on those things. You're not saved because you have church membership. You're saved because you trust Jesus. And here comes a young man that said, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Now, he's a little bit ignorant about some things here. Think about it. He did not understand that salvation is not something you do. It's trusting something that's already done. Jesus has already died on the cross. He was buried and rose again. We trust that. You say, preacher, that young man, Jesus hasn't died yet. But yes, he should have trusted Jesus as his personal Savior and Lord. There's some things here God showed me that I've never seen before, and I'm eager to share it. May I just say that salvation is by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a gift of God and it is not of works, lest any man should boast. This young, this rich young ruler thought he could do something to merit or inherit eternal life. He thought, well, if there's a gift that needs to be given, I'll do it. If there's some good deed, if there's some action I can do, I'll make any donation, I'll give any gift. Just tell me what it is, Lord. Name any price. He's a rich young ruler. He doesn't understand that salvation is not something you do. It's trusting something that's done. I believe this young man also, he's impressed with himself. Think about it. When the Lord asked him about some specific commandments, in verse 20, look at it. Master, all these have I observed from my youth. I'm not some bum sitting on the highway side like blind Bartimaeus. I'm not the woman taken in adultery. Blind Bartimaeus and the woman taken in the act of adultery, they needed to be saved. They were in bad shape, but I'm not like those others. I'm saved quality. I'm not a drunkard. I'm not a murderer. I already fit the mold of church entity. Just tell me what I do, and that'll be good enough. This is the young man's desire. Number two, what is the young man's decision. Well, when the young man said, good master, look what he called him, good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Jesus answered him, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. He answered the young man's question with a question to motivate his response. Why are you calling me Good. There's none good but, what does the Bible say? One. 
That is God. The book of Romans says, there's none that doeth good. Not one. No, not one. You may come in here today and say, well, I'm a pretty good person. No, you're not. I want you to say right now, not even me. There's none of us good. You may say, well, I think my pastor's good. No, he's not. Well, I think some of these young preachers are good. No, they're not. I think the choir was good. No, they're not. Preacher, I think the deacons are good. I love them, but they're not. I think the Sunday school teachers are good. I think these that work in the one-way program and, and with the Christian school and these that are, that, that are coming during the week for connect groups, I think they're good. No, we're not good. Jesus said there's none good. No, not one. Just God. That's all that's good. You know, he's trying to get this young man to recognize, son, you're not good. You think you're good, but you're not good. This young man is full of himself. He didn't realize his own sinfulness, his own wicked heart. The Bible says in the book of Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Listen to how quiet it starts getting in here. Preacher, you just said that you're not good and we're not good and here I am on an icy, snowy Sunday. I'm good. Coming to church makes me good. No, it doesn't. I'm here because I'm bad. I'm real, real bad. And I come to meet one that's real, real good. I know you don't think your heart's wicked. You probably think the person next to you is wicked. But I'm just telling you, all of us are in the same boat. We're in the same fellowship. We're together and there's none good. No, not one. You see, this young man needs to recognize, first of all, how wicked his heart is and how holy God is. He needs to recognize those two things and the Lord is bringing this response about him. Now, if you want to go to heaven, if you want to be saved, Jesus says, if you want to go to heaven, son, if you want to be saved, if you want eternal life, then you need to admit you're sinful, you're wicked, you're not good, and then you need to admit that I am good. Right? You need to admit that God is good. That Je by admitting that Jesus is good, you're saying that Jesus is God. There's none good but one that is God. You've already admitted you're a sinner this morning. The young man wouldn't. But second of all, he needs to say, you need, or he's saying, you need to admit that I'm good. By admitting that I'm good, you're admitting that I'm God. Well, Preacher Darren, he called him good master. Look at verse 20. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. What happened to good master? When he first got there, he said, good master. When Jesus said, there's none good, no, not one. That is God, just one, that's, that's God. You admit that, that I'm good, then you're admitting I'm God. He wouldn't call him good master anymore. Hello? That's a big deal right there, folks. That's a big deal. So he's, this young man, he, he's come. What? Read it again, verse 17. Good master, what 
shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Will y'all hear me for a second? It's not what, it's who. Are y'all agree? It's about Jesus, the Son of God, gave his life on the cross and was buried that we might be saved and that he rose again victorious over death, hell, and the grave, that we might be saved. This young man has come asking for what? And he meets who? And he's still stuck on what? In fact, if I could say it like this, this young man is a hot prospect. I have never in all my days had somebody come running up to me and said, what am I going to do that I might be? Usually, I'm trying to win them, trying to testify about them to, to the Lord, about the Lord, right? He's a hot prospect. If you look, he's a rich young ruler. He's probably on the who's who list in society of his day. And yet there he stands before Jesus and he doesn't see him as who. He sees him as what must I do? May I just say this morning that goodness is required. Do you want to go to heaven? Goodness is required. And you have none. Your righteousness is as filthy rags. Okay? We have none, but Jesus is good. We need to come to him. So there's goodness required. Next of all, there's guilt being revealed. Now, preacher Darren, I don't think he sees his guilt. He, well, we've already seen it, right? In, in those verses, he wouldn't call him good master anymore. He still doesn't realize his own guilt. Look with me what the Lord said in verse 19. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and thy mother. Jesus brought up these commandments because this young man is resting his own self-righteousness. You know, salvation is not a reward for the righteous. It's a gift for the guilty. You need to write that down. Hallelujah. Salvation is rooted in the grace of God. See, he's trying to keep the law here. He's not named all ten commandments. He named a few and the young man said, oh yeah, I kept that one and that one and that one and that one and that one. Listen to this, Galatians 2.16. By the works of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. The law is not here to save you. It's here to condemn you. It's here to show you where you are wrong so that we might come to the gospel and believe Jesus and trust his grace by faith. Some people never realize they're lost. This young man just thought he was fine, just like he was. There's just one more thing he needs to do. He feels empty. He, he feels like he's a good person. He's doing all that he knows to do. But he feels like he needs to do one more thing to have eternal life. I'm telling you, he has every outward reason to believe it. But Jesus is going to open up his heart. Now think with me for a second. Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Do not commit adultery. Check. Wait a minute. Whoa, wait a minute. Jesus said, if a man looks upon a woman to lust after her, he's committed adultery in his heart. You see, this young man, whoo, well, that's, that's convicting. This young man thinks I've not done the outward act, but he thinks Jesus doesn't know about the inward act. Jesus said, don't commit murder. Oh, I'm not a murderer. I'm not murdering anybody. But Jesus said, if you hate anyone, if you're angry at your brother without a cause, you've committed murder in your heart. You ever got mad at somebody? 
Maybe you're rooting, tooting, snorting mad right now. I'm so mad. I put it on Facebook, but I erased it all. I takes it all out, but I erased it all. But I'm telling you, Senor, you're so mad. You've committed murder in your heart. Nobody know I just punched him right in the nose. Preacher, I've never felt that way. I have. I have. I've wanted to punch somebody right square in the blessed nose. Amen? And smile while I did it. I committed murder in my heart. And I broke. And if I look at this window. If this window had 10 sections, 10 commandments, 10 sections to it, and I punched a hole in it right here because I committed murder, I committed adultery, or, 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 oh, preacher, Darren, if I broke this little section of the window, I broke the whole thing. You break one commandment, you broke the whole thing. Now somebody's got to pay to get that window fixed. And the price, the price, the wages of sin is death. I've got to die. And when I die with no righteousness, when I die being a sinner, I go to hell. Someone's got to pay for it for me. I can't afford to make that payment and die and go to hell. Jesus said, I'll pay the price. I'll take upon myself his sin and I'll pay the price. The wrath of God being poured on me that he might be saved and spend eternity with me in heaven. Woo-wee, what about that? Now, just think for a second. A man, look what he says, do not steal. I don't think I covered that one. Do not steal. A man, you don't have to be a thief. You're not a thief because you steal. You steal because you're a thief. Bible says, uh, do not bear false witness. In other words, defraud not. In other words, you ought not to lie and cheat people. You know a man's not a liar because he tells lies? He lies because he's a liar. Do you understand that? It's not the outward action that you think it is. God sees the heart. Jesus saw this young man's heart. Well, preacher, he didn't name all the commandments. That's what I'm seeing there. And I can see the ones that I can see the ones that he's probably broken is the ones that he didn't name. If you've broken one, you broke them all. In Matthew 22, read it in the prayer room, a man came to Jesus and said, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. And he said, and the second is like to it, he says, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. This young man obviously does not love the Lord thy God with all his heart, soul, and mind. And he doesn't love his neighbor as himself. Because when Jesus says, I want you to sell what you have and give to the poor, he doesn't love his neighbor as himself. Amen? I'm just telling you that this young man's guilt is being revealed. I brought with me an apple. Oh, a few Sundays ago, I ate one of these uh, golden crisp or apples. And son, I like to have died. I was sick for over a week. I believe somebody had injected poison in it. I got one this morning. I thought I was going to eat another one for church, and I looked, and it's got a wormhole in it. I thought I'd give it to Josh. <laughs> I got to thinking about that. It's a good illustration. This wormhole is not here because the worm got in there. The wormhole is here because the worm bore his way or ate his way out. 
What preacher? Oh yeah. You see, his mommy laid an egg in the apple blossom. And when the apple blossom turned into an apple, he was inside the apple and he was born that way. And as he was born inside the apple, he had to eat his way out. You see, this morning when you were born the first time, you were born in sin. You trying to work your way out, but you can't work your way out. You can't eat your way out. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And Jesus is trying to say to this young man, son, you're looking at what it looks like on the outside, but what I'm seeing is you're full of worms. You're full of holes. Your testimony in your life is full of all kinds of issues. There are wormy sins in our lives, wormy sins that are born in our hearts. Look, when you look at me today, everybody look at me. I try to look at you, you look at me. Everybody look at me. Right now, look at me. At best, you're a wormy sinner. And you are not going to heaven based on who you are. You are, I love you. I'd like to look you in the eye and hug your neck. But you are not going to heaven based on who you are, where you go to church, who your preacher is because you have a Bible. You're not going to heaven because one day you intend to call upon him. You're not going to heaven because when you was little you think you had some experience, but you don't even. Listen, before you can be saved, will you hear me? Before you can be saved, you must get lost. This young man, Jesus, is trying to bring this young man's focus to the point to where this young man gets lost. It's not about, I mean, listen, I could take some little kids and say, how many of y'all want to go to heaven? How many of y'all love Jesus? Raise your hand, say a little prayer, and now you're saved. And they're going to spend the rest of their lives saying, I got saved. Let me tell you something. You get saved once you recognize you're lost. Man, when I recognized I was lost, I was so shaken it's not about some little prayer that I prayed when I was a little kid. I mean, I'm getting older now and I'm learning and I'm, I'm, I'm a sinner. I'm a wormy sinner. I'm, I'm going to hell and my mama can't get me in and my daddy's a preacher and he can't get me in and uh, my Bible's not going to get me in unless I trust it. I, I'm going to have to do something different than what I'm doing. And I got lost and I got, I'm just going to tell you something. I got ashamed. I was so ashamed of being such a fool growing up in a preacher's home and going to church every Sunday and, and sitting there thinking, I'm okay, I'm okay. But one day when I got lost, I thought, "There's no, no, no. There's no way I could be lost. There's absolutely no way. I give the preacher an apple on Sunday. I'm a good person. I'm not a murderer. I'm not an adulterer. I've not done those things. And God said, son, when you was born the first time, it was born in your heart. Jesus said you must be born again. You must be born from above. You must. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So here's this young man, and the Lord's trying to take his guilt, reveal his guilt to him. Look with him. Verse 22. He was sad at that saying. Well, let's read 21. Jesus beholding him, loved him. Jesus loved him. The boy now, he won't call him good master anymore. And he loves, Jesus loves this young man. You ought to underline that in your Bible. You may say, preacher, I never saw in the Bible where Jesus loves me. There you go right there. This young man represents me and every sinner that's ever been, amen. And Jesus beholding him, loved him. And he said, one thing thou lackest. 
Go thy way. Sell what you have. Give to the poor. Preacher, dear, and I just don't understand what he's trying to say is, son, you don't love God with all your heart. You're putting your riches. You're putting your possessions. Some of you, will you hear me? You are putting your little profession that you made when you was a little girl or a younger man, you're putting your profession before your salvation. Preacher Darren, but my mama's going to be so mad. Preacher Darren, my, let me tell you something. Your mama has prayed on many a prayer for you. And if she hears you say with tears running down your eyes, Mama, I thought I'd say, but I wouldn't. And I just got saved. Your mama will rejoice and say, praise God, honey. We're going to heaven together now, amen. Praise God for it, amen. <laughs> this young man, verse 22 he was sad at that. Oh, the Lord said, take up your cross, follow me. He, he was sad at that saying. He went a great way, grief, for he had many professions, many possessions. This is what he said. This is not for me. I'm getting ready to give in. I'm getting ready to raise my hand. I'm getting ready to, getting ready to call the Lord. I'm getting ready to run to the altar. I'm getting ready. But then I remember my riches, my profession. Back there in 19, whenever it was, back in 20, whenever. I'm trying to remember though. Let me tell you something. The Holy Ghost is working in this church right now, today, on hearts and lives. The devil doesn't come and say it. It ain't going to happen today. Ain't nobody going to get saved. It's hazardous outside. It's cold. They ain't going to care. Well, I got in here and the Lord was here when I got here. And I've called on him today and God said, I have people that in your church that you preach to every Sunday that need to be saved. They need to admit they're lost for the first time. They need to truly say, it's not about some little experience that I had way back yonder. I know I need to be saved. And this young man, Jesus was calling this young man away from his, away from the young man's ways. Jesus said, I'm the way. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be that find it. But narrow is the way that leads to life, and few there be that find it. And this young man, let me, let me say this, he refused the grace of God. It's unimaginable. Thirdly, and I'm done. What is this young, young man's destiny? He went away. He was sad at that saying. He went away grieved. For he had great possessions. So the moment came of Jesus' invitation. The young man's in the valley of decision. Jesus has spoken to him about truth. He shared with him, take up your cross and follow me. Jesus has got a cross. He's talking to him about the cross. He's talking to him about the grace of God. Can you see the perspiration on his brow? I see some of you this morning look to me as I'm preaching. I had you look at me. Some of you are weaving and nervous. A little concerned. Oh, wait a minute. What if, I, what if I'm not? What if you're not? What if you're not? When Jesus comes and ready to take you home, when he appears and says it's time, here we go. What's it going to be? Just right down here, just before White's Memorial Church, some years ago, one of the ladies in our church, she was driving her grandson in the back seat, just driving down the road, taking him for the day, and a car T-boned him and killed Grandma. And the little boy 
just a little feller, still in the back seat. I met him down there at the hospital. One of our church people coming every Sunday. I didn't expect the last time I saw her at the back door would be the last time I saw her. The last time I shook Frank's hand didn't know it would be the last time I shook his hand. I said to the little boy, I said, I said, son, are you okay? He said, I'm good, I'm good. He said, I don't understand, preacher. Why didn't Jesus want me? I said, what? He said, why didn't Jesus want me? I saw him take grandma out of that car. And he said, not yet for you. Why didn't Jesus want me? I said, son, you saw. He said, yes, I did. If I wasn't saved, Seth, I'd have got saved right there. It's the realest thing I've ever seen. I said, son, the Lord knew it was time for your grandma to go home. But he wants you to live here on this earth a little bit longer. And he wants you to trust him one day. And he wants you to serve him one day. And he'll come for you one day when it's your time. But it wasn't your time yet. And for that little child, he totally got it. I'm telling you, I don't care how old you are. You may be 78, you may be 87, you may be 17, you may be 14. But the day is coming when you're going to leave this world. This could be, listen, I may not even make it to the funeral this afternoon. I may get killed going down the hill. I mean, you, Brian hit black eyes coming. He wasn't expecting he was going to wreck. What if the guardrail hadn't been there? What if the Lord hadn't wrecked his car? The way? Listen. It's by the grace of God we are here today. But the Lord has sent me to tell you if you're lost, you can be saved and you must be saved. And it's not something you put off back to 2028. You need to do it today because the Lord may come today. Perspiration is on his brow. He bites his lips. The demons and the devil and the flesh comes to him and says, Oh, don't be a fool. You're just fine. But the recording angel for the book of life is standing ready with pen in hand, ready to write that name, dipped in blood in the Lamb's book of life. And all you've got to do is call on Jesus. And this young man said, Oh, but what about my money? I can't give up my money. No, 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 no. I can't do this. And hell has a holiday. The angels are weeping. And the young man goes away sad. The young man goes away greed. He's got his possessions, but he's not happy with the things that he's got. And I wonder with all of his riches and all of his fame and his position and his power and his prestige in hell, I wonder if he's satisfied now. He went away. Where did he go? Away from Christ, away from God, away from the Bible, away from eternal life. I believe he's in hell right now. Perhaps later on he got saved, but the Bible does not say. And here's a young man. All we know is he's turning his back on Jesus. And I'm preaching to you this morning. I'm laying it all on the line. I'm trying to be honest with you. You need to be honest with God. I'm laying it out there, honey. If you walk away today, he's dealt with you before. And you've given that same flim flam excuse. What if today's the last time he is not going to deal with you anymore about this? I mean, it's gone away for a little while. You thought, it's gone away. I'm okay. I was just kind of doubting right there. 
when you're ready to draw your last breath, you reckon you'll still be doubting? Honey, I wouldn't take the chance of doubting my salvation, ready to take my last breath and slip off into eternity and go to a Christless hell and the suffering and the torments of damnation. I would not do that. Honey, I'd run to this altar. I'd get saved. I'd raise my hand. I'd say, preacher, pray with me. I want to be saved. I would not put it off. I would not be embarrassed. I would not be ashamed. I would be glad to take Jesus. Honey, I'm telling you, today, Jesus is wanting you to meet with the Master. Mr. Who's Who became Mr. Who's Through. He had it all, and now he's in hell. The Bible says, what should it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him. He knew the man was lost. He knew what had been his priorities. And he loved him anyway. <laughs> he loved him anyway. Honey, you have no idea of the depths that Jesus loves you and how much he desires for you to re receive his gift. You have no idea how much he wants you to raise your hand or come this on today and tell God what you say. You have no idea the price he paid. You have no idea the humiliation his, he suffered. Jesus loved him. I thought about this, Brother Kenneth. Because Jesus loves me, he wants the best for me. You want the best for Brian? I want the best for Shelby. I want the best for Luke. I want the very best for Isla Bay. How about you? Stand up here. Caleb, stand up here. Josh, turn around. Mom and Dad, you want the best for these boys? Stand up here, son. You want the best for these boys? You want the best for them? Thank you, sit down. They want the best for their kids. You know why they want the best for their kids? Because they love them. Jesus created you. He knew you were a sinner. He knows the day. And he went to the cross to bear your sin. And he wants the best for you. The best for you is not hell. He doesn't want hell for you. He doesn't want to send you to hell. You're going to send yourself. Because of your pride. Because of your pride, honey, today, Jesus wants you to call upon his holy name. I will tell you right now, when he went away, look with me in verse 22. He was sat at that great, that sat at that saying. He was very, very grieved. He went away grieved, for he had great possessions. Show me in any of these verses where when he walked away, that Jesus ran after him. Show me where Jesus went and met him in the park and said, wait, 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 wait. I'm going to give you a second chance. You won't find it. I'm going to give you an invitation to come to Jesus. And you have every right to walk away and refuse him and reject him and walk away without him. I'm going to tell you something this morning. There's not enough demons in hell or on earth to keep you from coming to Jesus today. I have prayed and asked for the power of God to unshackle chains, to wrap around hearts, to hold people back. There's not enough demons in hell to stop that this morning. The only thing to stop it is your choice. There's also not enough angels in heaven 
to drag you to this altar. There's not enough enough angels in heaven to put your hands up over your head and say, preacher, pray with me. How did he call on Jesus? This is your personal decision. It's not between you and me. It's between you and Jesus Christ. I need some Christians in this altar praying. I need some people, if you're lost, why don't you get off your seat right now and come to this altar and pray. Maybe there's somebody, you're sitting in your pew, preacher Darren, I am so close to calling on Jesus. I want to be saved today. Would you stand on your feet this morning, church? I've seen preachers saved. I've seen deacons saved. Nothing shocks me other than the fact that people walk away from Jesus and they reject Him. Is there anybody here say, Preacher Darren, I want to be saved. Maybe you're on the altar. Thank you. Is there anybody else say, Preacher Darren, I want to be saved. We've already got one hand up. You're in the altar already, Preacher, I want to be saved. I'm not playing church anymore. Thank you for your honesty. Is there anybody in the congregation? Preacher, I need to be saved. I look back over my life and I don't think I got it. Preacher, I want to be saved. Raise your hand. You put, I will not embarrass you. I will not pull you up here. I want to pray for you and I want to pray with you. God bless you, son. Is there anybody that said, Preacher, I want to be saved. I want to be saved. There's two. Is there anybody else? 
You just be honest with God. What do you need to do this morning? Lord, I want to thank you for souls you've saved today. People that you said, God, if they trust you, you'd keep them from hell. <laughs> you'd keep them from the power of the devil. And God, I praise you today, God, for these who have been born in you and afresh, born and birthed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're worthy of our praise. And I thank you, God, that the old things are passed away. And behold, all things are new because they have begun in Christ. Lord, I praise you today. And God, if there be one of the sound of my voice that does not know you today, maybe they're online. God, would you help them to say, Jesus, I'm not good. I'm a sinner. I'm lost. Please forgive me. You're the Savior. I believe you died on the cross. They buried you. And you rose again. You're knocking. I'll let you in, Lord. Wash me. Save me. Forgive me. In Jesus' blood. In Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, and just like that, God, you'd save souls. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. In Jesus' blood. And in Jesus' holy name, amen and amen. Boy, did you do, ma'am, did you do what God called you to do? What he spoke to you about doing? Well, I just think maybe I was doubting. Will you do that on your last breath? You think that'll be good enough to get you in? Well, maybe. I know we're not always going to feel saved. I know that. But I wouldn't take my chances on a maybe. Man, I'd run to this altar. I'd, I'd, I'd say, preacher! One night I was preaching over in the Burnsville area. We was about 9 o'clock. I tried to dismiss. A lady come running. 9.15, a man come running. 9.30, somebody put their hands up. 10 o'clock at night, a little lady said, No! Do not dismiss this service. I need to be saved. You'll get in while the Holy Ghost is dealing. Why he is wooing you. The devil has something to get your mind on. Your riches, your possessions, your, your dinner, your family. What's it going to be? Have 